Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. How many of you are ready for Thanksgiving? Some of you. Some of you were at Sam's Club yesterday doing that last-minute shopping. I know. I was there getting some stuff for the church, and there's people, you know, they're getting their pans, and they're getting all their stuff, and as they're waiting in the massive line to buy all the stuff that they need to give thanks, they're complaining about how slow the line is going, but what I want you to do is on the count of three, on the count of three, I want you to shout out your favorite Thanksgiving food, just one of them. On the count of three, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? If it's not there, it's not Thanksgiving. Are you ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Now, now you probably know, if you've been here for the past few weeks, you probably know what my favorite Thanksgiving food is. Does anybody want to take a stab at it? Anybody know? It is dressing. That's right. And I believe that dressing is very underrated and it should not be reserved for just one time of the year because there's a lot of possibilities for dressing. I want to give you a life hack. I discovered this last year. The morning after Thanksgiving, it was time for breakfast. And so I went in, I started frying up some bacon and I looked over at that delicious dressing sitting there and I thought, you know what? I'm going to invent something. And so I took the dressing, I warmed it up, And then I cracked a fried egg over it. Let me tell you something. The yolk of that fried egg running down that delicious dressing was stinking amazing. I challenge you to try that this year. The the, the point is, the possibilities are endless. There's so many different things that you can do with dressing. And and this month, we've been talking about gratitude. I want you to understand that gratitude is kind of like dressing. There are so many different ways that we can approach gratitude. And as we close out this series today, I thought I would just kind of throw a little bit of everything on your plate and hope you're hungry enough to eat. Turn to the person next to you and say, you hungry? Well, if you're hungry, you're going to eat today. Amen. When I was a kid, during the summers, I would uh, clean at my father's church. And he would give me, personally give me, $20 cash every week for cleaning the church, and that $20 was supposed to last me Monday through Friday for lunch. How many of y'all remember when $20 could feed you for a whole week? That's back when Taco Bell had the 69-cent burrito or whatever it was. Listen, your boy knew how to work the system when he only had $20 to eat off. And so there was like a Burger King within walking distance, and so sometimes we would walk up to the Burger King and eat lunch. Other times I would try to hitch a ride. If I felt like really treating myself to something fancy on my $20, we would go to the Chinese restaurant and get the $5 lunch special. Do y'all remember the $5 lunch special? I mean, it came with everything, egg roll, soup, meal, drink for $5. And back then, tip was only 10%. Anybody know what 10% of $5 is? That's just 50 cents. For $5.50, I could eat like a king, you know, and the next day I'd make up for it by eating the Taco Bell, but I loved that job. I loved cleaning my father's church. I took it very seriously. I had, I had my own trash receptacle on the wheels. You, you know what I'm talking about? It had the little container that hung on the side of it with all my tools 
I had my yellow gloves that came up to here. I had my own janitorial closet. I had my own janitorial keys, you know. You could hear me coming from a mile away. I still carry keys like this to this day. You know why? Because you could take the boy out of the janitorial closet, but you cannot take the janitorial closet out of the boy. I took that job very seriously. One day I had the opportunity to clean my father's private toilet. And I thought, this is my moment to shine. This is my moment to make my father grateful that he brought me into this world because when he sees this toilet, he's going to see the reflection of his face. <laughs> and so I got my comet out. Anybody remember the comet, the powdered comet, you know, sprayed it everywhere? You know, I don't even know what's in comet. It's amazing that we survived with some of the chemicals that we were, like, given as kids, you know. But I, I cleaned it and I loved it. But as time went on, you know, I, I started maturing to the point to where they started moving me into more ministerial positions. And by the time I was 22 years old, I was full-time staff as a pastor. I worked with children. I worked with youth. I did all kinds of stuff. And as the years went on, we had some really great, successful ministry happening. But one day at staff meeting, my dad met with the staff and he said, we're going to start making some cutbacks. And he shifted his eyes over towards me, and I thought, hey, remember that toilet that I cleaned when I was a little boy? Let's, you know, you may want to hang on to me. But he said, one of the things that we're going to cut back on is our cleaning expenses. Instead of hiring a cleaning crew to come in for a season, our staff is going to clean the church. And so he divided the church up among the staff. And what really impressed me was him being the senior leader of the church even took a place within the building to clean. It was super impressive to me that he would do that. But I remember thinking to myself, okay, great. I, I went from being a cleaner to a pastor, and now I'm going to become a pastor slash cleaner. And my attitude could have been, I've already paid my dues. Somebody told my dad that one time because they were hired to do something that they no longer wanted to do, and they said, I've already paid my dues. And dad handed them the pink slip. So I didn't want to do the whole idea, I've already paid my dues thing. So I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this again, I want to do it right. And so I would take my section of the church and I would put in some worship music or sometimes I would listen to a podcast. And as I was cleaning, as I was vacuuming, I just began to thank God. I began to worship through that process. And I remember one of the things that I would say as I would pray is, God, I thank you that I have a church building to clean. I thank you that I have a place to belong. I thank you for what you've done for me. And it's amazing how gratitude can change your experience. Did you hear what I said? Gratitude can change your experience. Gratitude can change the atmosphere. Gratitude may not change what is happening, but it has the ability to change how you deal with what is happening. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, the 5th chapter, verse 18, it says, give thanks in all circumstances. But here's the kicker. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So God's will for you is to be thankful in every circumstance. Now, it's not thankful for every circumstance, because how many of you know not everything you walk through you have to be thankful for. 
But we can learn how to be thankful in every circumstance. We can learn how to be thankful in trial. We can be thankful in controversy. We can be thankful in our burdens. As things are falling apart, there are always things that we can find to be thankful for. And if we can shift ourselves away from the burden and into the blessing through gratitude, it will change the way we experience it. The Apostle Paul, who wrote 1 Thessalonians, that's a tongue twister. The Apostle Paul, who wrote that letter, wrote many of his letters from a prison cell. Did you know that? So he's not in his posh, luxurious apartment overlooking the city when he's saying, hey, be thankful in all circumstances. He understood what it was like to go through tremendous trial. But he's able to write some of the most liberating letters that anyone has ever written from prison because he understood gratitude. He understood how to be thankful in every circumstance. Was he thankful for prison? No. But he could find thanks in prison because of what Christ Jesus was doing in his life and what Jesus was doing through his life. And, and that thankfulness. That, 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 that Gratitude just exploded inside of him into freedom. Here's the first thing I want you to understand. Gratitude, a sign of gratitude growing in your life is you will find freedom. Because the mind that has stayed on the Lord will be at perfect peace. Not the mind that has stayed on the circumstance. Not the mind that has stayed on the burden. Many of us live in captivity in our mind because we focus on what's breaking down instead of focusing on what the blessing is in the moment. And I cannot personally apply this for you. I can personally apply it for myself, but this is something that we all have to take time and examine. How can I find thanks in what I'm going for even though I'm not thankful for the moment. Maybe I can find thanks in it because I know that even though it's difficult, I'm coming through. God is faithful. God is with me, and he's going to work this to my good. So I can be thankful in. Somebody say thankful in. And when I am thankful in, I will walk in freedom. Not only will I walk in freedom, but it will keep me in freedom. Are you following what I'm saying? Because you can confine the body but you cannot confine a grateful spirit. Church, the things that we've been talking about for the past few weeks actually can change your entire life. It can actually change how you experience life. This morning I was talking to some of the gentlemen as we were praying uh, for the service, and Bob was like, as I've been listening to gratitude and thinking about it, really gratitude is spiritual warfare. And I said, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the enemy cannot handle when you are grateful. When you know how to praise God in the midst of your storm, he cannot handle that. And you walk in freedom. Some would say freedom. freedom. So now if you have your Bible, turn it to Deuteronomy, the 8th chapter. We're going to start in verse 7. And we're going to start walking through signs of gratitude. I'm going to start pointing out some things that you can examine in your life to see if I've got the signs that gratitude is growing. So Deuteronomy 8, starting in verse 7, 
this portion of Scripture is speaking to the children of Israel who have been in 400 years of slavery. God brings them out of slavery. Then they're in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience. Now God is about to bring them into the land he promised them, but this is what he says. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity, in which you will find Thanksgiving dressing. No, sorry. (laughs) You're going to eat bread without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are of iron, and out of whose hills you can dig copper, and you shall eat and be full. How many of you thought that's a good gig right there, eating? You shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Don't just experience the blessing, but also bless the blesser. See, God is about to give Israel a major upgrade. He's bringing them out of their bondage into a good land, out of their lack into plenty. But watch what he says. Please hear this today. Watch what he says in verse 11. As I bring you into this blessing, take care lest you forget the Lord your God. There it is. Week one, we talked about remembering what God has done as the foundation for gratitude to grow. So if I forget what God has done, gratitude is not going to be growing in my life. He says, take care, be careful, unless you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. So a sign that gratitude is not working in my life is I forget what God has said. I set aside what is important for God for what is important to me. If God only gets what I have left over instead of the best portion of my life, it's probably because I've either forgotten him or I just don't. Years ago, there was a man in our church that came to my grandfather, and he asked him to pray for his business because the business was struggling. And so my grandfather came into agreement with the man. They prayed, and God moved. God heard them, and God started blessing the man. The problem is the man got so blessed that he got too busy to be at church. He forgot the one who gave him the blessing in the first place. See, hear this, church. Here's what we believe as Christians. We believe that God himself left the comforts of heaven to live on earth as a man, to live the life that we cannot live for ourselves, to die the death that we deserve so that he can bring us out of bondage into freedom. Now, how we respond to that information will show what kind of value we place on it. Are you following me? How we respond in our life to the news that Jesus gave everything for us will determine the value that we place on it. 
If you go through Scripture, you can see a story where Jesus encounters these ten lepers. And leprosy was a skin-eating disease. Not only did it ravish your body, but it also made it to the point to where you could not be in public assembly. So it would cut you off from your friends and family. It was terrible. And so Jesus comes across these ten lepers, and he prays for them. And as they go on their way, they start noticing, man, my skin's clearing up. This is a life change for me. This is a game changer for me. I can go back to work. I can be with my family. They got excited. How many of you would get super excited about something like that? They got excited, but they kept on going, and only one came back to worship Jesus. And Jesus is like, man, there was, weren't, weren't there 10 of you? Weren't there 10 of you? See, gratitude, a sign of gratitude is that when God moves and when God blesses, you respond. Somebody say, I respond. When God has a desire for my life, I place that desire as a high priority, understanding not only does it bring glory to him, but it's going to bring me into a blessing. Anytime you are obedient to God, it brings you into a blessing. You know, when we talk about the blessing of God, it's something that everybody will say that they want. It's like me talking about Thanksgiving dressing. I want it. The problem is, I don't know how to make it for myself. Many people want the blessing of God. They just don't know how to come into it. The only way to enter the blessing of God is through obedience by faith. And that's where we miss it. It is obedience by faith. So when God speaks, I move even if it doesn't make sense to me. Too many people get caught up in it. It needs to make sense. It needs to make sense for me to step out. But that's not how faith works. Faith says, if God says it, I will do it and believe he will take care of the rest. That's what brings the blessing of God into your life. When God says do something, you respond obediently in faith. So I have to not only remember what he has said, but I have to respond. I can't just be a hearer of the word. I also have to be a doer because if I'm only hearing and not doing, the Bible says that I'm deceiving myself. Can I just be a pastor for a moment? There are many people who will attend church that are deceiving themselves because they think they're going to get God's best for their life, but they're not because they're not in obedience to what God is saying. They want to do relationships the way they want to do relationships and ask God to bless it. And there's an old saying that God is not going to bless your mess. When you bring your life into surrender to him, that's when he steps in and says, okay, now I will bless it. I will cause your relationships to flourish based upon the fact that you are living in alignment with my word. Your finances, now I can bless your finances because you are living in alignment with my word. I have to know what he's saying. I have to hear what he's saying, and I have to obediently step out by faith. Somebody say, by faith. I don't want to embarrass this person, and so I won't call them by name. But I remember years ago, years ago, a long time ago before I was even pastoring a church, they were talking to me about tithe. And they said, you know what, it just, tithe just doesn't make sense to me because that, that's, a, that's like a car payment. Like, like I could have a car for what I'm paying in my tithe. 
But I promise you, if you had that same person stand up here today who has been faithful in their tithing, even though it didn't make sense, they'll tell you, now I don't even have to worry about a car payment because God has taken care of my need for a car and blessed me far beyond what I could have even thought about doing then. That's a fact. That is a fact. God has blessed this person in a tremendous way, but this person has always been faithful. They, they found that flow of stepping into what God is saying, and even though it didn't make sense, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do it anyway. When I, this is not a money message, but, but I'm, I'm just, things are hitting me in my mind. I remember when I was 21 years old, I had heard a message on seed time and harvest that forever changed my life. I learned how to truly honor God with what he's placed in my hand. And at that time, I didn't have a house payment. I was still living at home, and so I had a little more room in my finances. And so that year, that year, I gave 30% of what I brought in back to the Lord. That's not required. 10% is your tithe. Everything above 10% is an offering. But that's what I did. That's what I had in my heart. And I remember giving that 30%, and I remember someone that I knew that loved me and cared about me found out what I was doing, they were like, arm you don't need to be doing that that's too much they chastised me for doing what I was doing that following spring God started opening up doors for me that I could not open for myself he started making things happen by the time I was 22 years old I signed the papers on my first home God made that happen not arm Meshagan he found the right deal the right place the right location and then when I sold that home I was blessed by that selling and was able to upgrade to my next home. But see, I've always, if there's one thing that I have gotten right in my life, it is honor. I've, listen, I've missed a lot of specific areas in my life, but honor is one of them that I have learned. And I believe that my life is the life that honor has built. This church that we are in today is a church that honor has built. Because back when we didn't really have much, and we didn't have our own building, we would give away to other ministries so that they could flourish and grow. We would give away to other people's building projects. And guess what happens? That next summer, we find a building out here in Dallas, Georgia. People start going, oh, there's no way a church your size or your age can get it. And I just believe God. Hey, God, if you want us to have this property, I believe that you'll do it. And God made a way where there seemed to be no way. And I've seen him do it time and time and time and time again because he's faithful. If he says he'll do a thing, he will do it. He says, if you'll honor me and your tithe and your offering, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you cannot contain. Not only am I going to bless you, but I'm going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. See, when I pray, I can thank God for rebuking the devourer because I've been obedient to his word. And I was doing that this week. God, I just thank you for rebuking the devourer over my family. See, we, we have no concept of what the enemy is trying to bring into our life. But God knows, and he has the ability to stop it. I don't even know how many things God has stopped for me because he's been so good to me. But if I just think about that, that brings me into gratitude and thanks. The other day, I was, I was laying in the bed, and I started worshiping God through gratitude and thanksgiving, and I just felt this energy come over me, and I felt like jumping up and running around the house, like I was going to be a Pentecostal all on my own. <laughs> you know, sometimes we wonder, like, 
you, you see these churches where people like run and go crazy. We're like, well, what's that all about? Maybe they've got something happening on the inside of them that we're just not aware of because they are so thankful for what God has brought them through. Maybe, maybe there was a time where they were just tied up in all kinds of, of addiction that would have destroyed their life, but God has set them free. And when they think about the freedom they've got, they can't help it but get a little bit excited. Church, I cannot help. But get excited when I think about the goodness of God and what he's done for me. Whoo! I done left my notes. I'm going to have to find another place to land here. But when I remember, I respond. Somebody say, I remember. And I respond. So he says, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten, God's saying, I'm going to bless you. But your gratitude is going to keep you in the blessing. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Are you seeing what's happening here? God's warning them. When things start going good, remember me. Don't allow your heart to be lifted up. He says, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt? I'm the one that did it. Out of the house of slavery, I'm the one that did it. Out of your sin, I'm the one that did it. who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where they, there was no water, who brought you out water. God brings water out of a rock for them, church. He sends quail to them to feed them. He sends manna from heaven to take care of them. He causes their clothes to grow with their body and not wear out. He causes their shoes to grow with their feet and not wear out. God is doing all this for them. Now he's going to bring them into this land. They're going to be blessed. He said, don't forget me. He says, brought water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good to you in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. So another sign that gratitude is growing in my life is when I operate in praise instead of pride. Instead of thinking I did this because of my hard work, I praise God for giving me the ability to do the work. If I will praise him instead of moving in pride, it will keep me in gratitude, and gratitude will keep me in the blessing. But as soon as I let my heart be lifted up and I start operating in pride, what happens to the prideful person? Anybody know? There's a fall. Destruction is coming. As soon as you think that you are all that in a bag of potato chips, get ready. God will humble you. And the reason he will humble you is so that he can bring you back so that he can bless you. Please understand this. Anytime God corrects his children, it is not for your harm. It is out of his love. Because he sees you're headed in a direction that's going to take you away from his blessing. And so he will correct you to humble you 
to where you turn back and say, God, I realize where I messed up. I need you now. I need you. I need to step back into your will for my life. Praise and worship keeps gratitude alive. So that's the warning that God's given them. I'm going to bring you into this land. I'm going to bless you. And I will keep on blessing you as long as you remember me. Seems like pretty simple instructions, right? But guess what Israel does? They do exactly what God warned them not to do. They forget God. And time after time, if you read through their history, things go bad. They cry out. God, out of his mercy and compassion, responds. Then it's a vicious cycle until finally around 586 B.C., the Babylonian Empire comes in, destroys their city, destroys their temple, which means you no longer have a place to worship the God that you love, and takes them into captivity. And they're in this place of captivity as a humbling place. Again, a place where they remember there was a time that we were in slavery and God brought us out. And when he blessed us, we forgot about him. But now that we're in this position, we know if we'll remember him, if we'll cry out to him because he has some promises for us, he's faithful. And so God, in his goodness and in his mercy, he brings them out of this captivity and he tells them, listen, this is important. I'm going to bring you back to the city. I'm going to bring you back into the promised land. When you get there, here's what I want you to do. I want you to rebuild the temple. I want you to rebuild the temple so that you can worship me because through your worship and gratitude, it's going to bring you back into that blessing. So that's what God tells them. So now let's go to Haggai 1, chapter 1, starting verse 2. So now this is, they've, they've left captivity. Now they're back in Jerusalem where they're supposed to do what? What are they supposed to do? Build the temple. Why? So that they can worship God. So God says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Even though I told you, go do it, they're saying, hey, it's not time for that. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Here's what he said. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while the house, this house lies in ruins? Is it a time for you to take care of yourself and forget about God again? Now, therefore, says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. If there's a word for us to hear today, if there's a word for me to hear today, it is that. Consider your ways. He says, you have sown much and harvested little. You've, you're, you're working. You're doing everything that you need to do, but you're not, you're not reaping what you need. You eat, but you never have enough. There was a time that you had enough. I blessed you. I fed you. Now you're working and not gathering. You're eating, but not getting full. You never have enough to drink but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. So no matter what you're getting, it's not enough because you haven't remembered me. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? 
declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. Here's the next sign that gratitude is growing in your life. You never get too busy for God. You never get too busy for God. I understand busy. I was talking to my wife about it this morning. The past two months have been incredibly busy for us. We have three children. All three are playing sports. Not just a sport, multiple sports. So our oldest daughter was playing basketball and lacrosse at the same time. Our middle daughter was doing cheer, competition cheer, and basketball at the same time. Our youngest daughter was doing cheer and uh, Girl Scouts at the same time, which meant there was times that they were supposed to be at this practice, but they also had this practice, so we had to choose which one we're going to go to. My wife and I are having to divide and conquer. Anybody know what that's like as a parent, dividing and conquering to get it all done? So our schedule looked like this. Monday was a practice, Tuesday was a practice, Wednesday was practice and church for me, Thursday was practice, Friday was practice, Saturday was game, church was Sunday, after church on Sunday was another game. And that's what it was like. On top of that, we have our daily responsibilities as parents and our jobs. Not only do we have our jobs, my wife, she's a full-time teacher with the Cobb County School System, but she also has a couple of other side companies that she runs. She's a busy woman. So we, we get busy, but I was telling her this morning, I said, you know, as busy as I get, I realized, like, it's not unique to us. Like, we're not some, something special because we're busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody's like, if you've got kids right now doing anything, you are busy. So I get being busy, but I can never get so busy with the blessing that I forget the blesser. I, I have to say, God... I'm going to carve out this for you. This time belongs to you. This portion belongs to you. Because if I'm not intentional to carve out time, then what happens is he'll only get what's left over. And many times we'll get so busy that sometimes there's nothing left over. Church, I, I get busy. I get your busy. And I get there's going to be times where you just can't, be at church. I get that. But on the regular, we need to be making what God is doing here a priority. As we move into the new year, we need to determine within ourselves, I'm going to make God a priority. I'm going to make his house a priority. I'm going to make serving in his house a priority. I'm going to make worship a priority. The Apostle Paul says in Romans, the 12th chapter, verse 1, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. I'm appealing to you. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God, which is holy and acceptable which is your spiritual act of worship. Other translations will say it's your reasonable service. So I should see what I do for God as an act of worship. See, worship isn't just singing a song. Worship is every aspect of my life. The way I do family, 
is worship. The way I handle my finances is worship. What I do with my gifts and talents, that's worship. What I do with my time is worship. So Paul's saying, hey, present everything, your whole body, everything that is you, present it to God as a living sacrifice. That's your spiritual act of worship. But I love that it's your reasonable service. Because to me it says it's not unreasonable that we would respond to God in that way in light of everything that he's done for us. If I truly believe that Jesus has done what the Bible says he's done, it is only reasonable that I say, you know what? I'm laying my life down. I may not get it right all the time, but I'm trying to say, God, here's my life. Here's my mind. Here's my thoughts. Here's my time. Here's my gift, my talents. All these things, God, I'm bringing it to you. I want to use it to worship and glorify you because of what you've done for me because I realize without you, I would have nothing. Without you, I would be nothing. Church, without Jesus Christ, Aram Meshagan would be nothing. I was on a one-way path towards destruction. Grew up in church my whole life, but I was on a path towards destruction. And the enemy had a plan to take me out. But it was God's goodness and mercy that stepped in, intervened, and turned it around. I know that is the story for a lot of you in here today. You were on a path towards destruction, and God turned some things around. What do we do with that? How do we respond to that? Do we get so busy with the blessing that we forget about him? Or do we say, you know what? I'm going to allow that to overflow in my gratitude and worship and praise, which is going to present every portion of myself back to him. What I ponder in my mind is what would it look like for an entire church congregation to make that decision? Because the majority of the church honestly doesn't make that decision. It's a, it really is, it's a small percentage of the church that makes the church happen. Big Rich used to pastor. You, am I saying what's it's a core group of people that make everything happen. It's that core group that works and serves and gives and does all this stuff. Everyone else, they're just kind of on the fringe. They attend, they enjoy, but they never really connect and say, you know what? I realize that God has called me to this place for a purpose. What would happen? Listen, if we have accomplished everything that we've accomplished through God with a percentage, what would it look like if everybody said, yeah, this matters to me. Being in the house matters to me. Worshiping matters to me. Serving matters to me. Giving matters to me. It matters to me because it matters to God. And when I honor God that way, he says, I will bless you. I will take care of everything that you need. Did you know you don't even have to worry about what it is that you need when you seek first the kingdom of God? The blessings of God, the Bible says, will chase you down and overtake you. I don't, have to, I don't have to go searching for them. They find me. They find me. When I turn around, the Bible says, all I should see is goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. But that's not for everybody. That is the person whose heart is towards God. Not a perfect person. Please hear what I'm saying. Not a perfect person. 
And some of you in here, your holdup is you're thinking, well, there's some things I've got to fix before I can come to God. And that is absolutely broken thinking. You don't fix you. You come to God as you are, and he will begin to work on you and fix you. The, the only thing, the only prerequisite to coming to God is this, your faith. Nothing else. Not your perfection, your faith. That I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. I do believe that he came to this earth, that he died on the cross, he rose from the dead three days later so that I can have life and be forgiven of my sins. That's it. Everything else that needs to be taken care of, God will take care of it as you pursue him and walk with him. And the closer you get to him, the more you'll become like him. So it's not about perfection. It's just about saying, God, here I am. Use me. I'm available. I'm available. What a magnificent church that would be. Church, I, I believe that Activation Church can break the statistics. I believe that we can be a people that are unified. And where there is unity, there is blessing. Let me tell you, you want to start seeing families get saved, get unified with the purpose of God. You want to you see a city shaken, get unified with the purpose of God. You know, if you, if you take time to read through the book of Acts, you see all these miracles that are happening, like incredible stuff, and we go, where is that now? Look at the pattern of living. They devoted themselves daily to getting together, eating with one another, praying with one another. They're listening to the word of God. They're getting out. They're sharing the good news of, of what Jesus has done in their communities, in their cities. They're laying hands on the sick. They're like, this is their life. They're all like taking everything they got and being like, hey, it's all right here, man. Let's take care of everybody. It's this unified body. And Jesus shows up and starts blessing it and increasing it. And their numbers are growing daily because their hearts were there. Where is your heart? Consider your ways. That's the word for me, Aram. Consider your ways. Where is your heart? Where is your mind? Am I, am I taking time to focus on everything good that God has done for me? Or am I focusing on the burdens in my life? Gratitude changes everything.